Welcome to year two of the Funding Love podcast. I'm Mallory Elrod. And I'm Caitlin Duckworth. We are two adoptive moms that seek to love, support, and elevate all corners of the adoption triad, including adoptive families, adoptees, and birth parents. We do that through honest conversation with both expert and everyday voices about all things adoption and more, all while running our nonprofit, Funding Love. We create post-adoption experiences that strengthen bonds, build community, and restore people. We are Funding Love. The podcast. Hello, Mal here. This is episode 59 of the Funding Love podcast. On today's episode, Caitlin and I will talk about Mother's Day and Birth Mother's Day and give a few thoughts on that and also share how we celebrate that holiday in our home. We also talk about fundraising. We all know that adoption can be very expensive. So in this episode, we talk about different creative ideas of fundraising, and I share my personal story of how we fundraise for our adoption. So I hope that you can walk away feeling inspired and encouraged in your adoption journey of fundraising today. So let's give it a listen. Mal, hey, here we are, episode 59. How are you? I am doing well. Yesterday was Mother's Day, so happy belated Mother's Day to you. And you as well. Happy Mother's Day, Um, mother of four. Yes. Wow, girl. Yes. Yes. Motherhood at its max. And um, (laughs) just to clarify, we are recording this episode before Mother's Day, but it's coming up fast, so I already know my Mother's Day plans. But um, yeah, Mother's Day, I actually am getting to enjoy Disneyland, which I think is just super magical. Is there any better place to celebrate anything, birthdays, Mother's Day, holidays, than a Disney park? Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah, we're going right after church. Our plan is to literally just get in the car and head up to Disney. We're going to do a dinner with uh, my mom and dad are actually going to be there with us, which is really cool. They haven't been with us. I don't even know. Certainly since my daughter's been bored. So this will be their first trip with with my daughter, so that'll be fun. And so we're gonna do a, um, a dinner with me, my mom, and Adam's mom. Wow! So that that is what is planned for that day. I know this is the Monday after, but that is what I'm looking forward to. And then we spend a few days in the parks after that. So I'm excited. That is great. I love that. Yes. So mm-hmm. happy Mother's Day, happy belated Mother's Day now to all of you moms out there. And Mother's Day is it can be a hard holiday for those mm-hmm, that um, so. have maybe painful relationships or have lost a mother. Um, but however motherhood finds you, whether you are a biological mom, an adoptive mom, a birth mom, or even you're just someone that has been like a mom to people. I know I've had those people in my life that didn't necessarily have children of their own, but they've just been like mm-hmm. a mother role in my life. You're still a mom. Yep. Even stepmoms, those who have come into, yes. um, you know, a relationship with children as the stepmom, happy Mother's Day to you as well. And even hopeful moms, because I know there are moms out there or women out there, I should say, who are just so hopeful for that day they get to be a mom. And, you know, hey, happy Mother's Day to you because I know where your heart is. Absolutely. I, I feel that. Yes. And even mm-hmm. those with infertility loss, like those that have oh, miscarried. Yeah. For me, I know you and I definitely, we believe, you know, life happens at conception. And so if you have carried a child, but you, you know, haven't been able to hold that child in your arms, you are still a mom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know. Happy Mother's Day. And I know, like, I remember, I feel like I vividly remember our conversation last year. I feel as if we had a birth mom on for Mother's Day last year for our our podcast. And we had a conversation about birth Mother's Day. Because birth Mother's Day is the Saturday before Mother's Day. And, you know, I I remember saying, do we celebrate it? Is that something that um, the birth mom community 
likes to celebrate, likes to be recognized. And I feel like it was kind of, if I remember it, like a 50-50. Like they, they, take, they take pride in that um, title that they carry because it was, you know, the, it, it was a decision they made out of bravery and out of courage and out of love. Um, so they, they want to hold on to that. But also it's just, I remember it's a reminder of that at the same time. So it was kind of like, I, I just feel like I remember the conversation going, yeah, maybe not. Maybe we just, we celebrate Mother's Day. You know, like I remember it kind of being like, thanks for the day, but mm-hmm. let's just celebrate Mother's mm-hmm. Day. You know, is, is, am I remembering that right? I feel like that was the conversation. No, you totally yeah. are. Yes, I remember the same thing. Um, it was, yeah, kind of depended on the woman, which is great. So what do you do? Do you celebrate or talk about Libby's birth mom on birth mother's day or mother's day or how do you guys approach that? So what I, what I have done is I'll send her a little text on birth mother's day is what I have done. And she'll usually, you know, uh, give us a little heart or a little like and say, thank you, miss you guys, love you, whatever. And then what will, we also have sent a mother's day card in the mail. So Libby will call her a pretty little picture um, we'll put it in a Mother's Day card, not a birth Mother's Day card, in a Mother's Day card and um, send it out so that it gets there or right around Mother's Day. So that's what we do. I kind of, so I guess I do both. Um, but but we're yeah. a little bit more intentional about Mother's Day than birth Mother's Day. Um, I guess it's just I don't want her to feel like I forgot it, you know? So I like, I give it, right. I give it like a moment, but then we do the, the, right. the pretty card for the Mother's Day. Libby's birth mom is parenting, so yeah. she is definitely a mom on Mother's Absolutely. Day, too. She's in those motherhood trenches uh-huh. with us. Yeah. Yeah, so for us, it typically looks like, you know, a text and a picture. Mm-hmm. I always do it on Mother's Day, not birth Mother's yeah. Day. Um, I think that with our open relationship, it just really feels like she is his other mom. Yeah. Like, I want him to always view her as um, his mom, too. So I love that. I don't know. For me, it always felt a little weird to say happy birth Mother's Day. I think early on, I did like send a text on the Saturday before and she was, you know, sweet. Thank you. Right. But it just kind of felt weird for me. So I always text her on Mother's Day. We talk on Mother's Day. And now that Libby is, you know, I mean, she's three and a half. And so um, the holidays, I would say in the last like eight, nine, ten months since Libby's speaking so well, we'll do a video too. Like, Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, and she'll say a little video and give a little kiss, and so we'll send the video as well, which is always so fun because it allows, you know, her to see her personality and all of the fun things, and so that's always special to me, and I know it's special to her. So also in this episode today, we wanted to touch on a subject that I feel like I have gotten asked about a good bit, and um, I would like to hear a little bit of your story on this, but fundraising for adoption. Um, for families that are starting that adoption process, we know that adoption is really expensive, especially, you know, international and private domestic infant adoptions. So we thought we would just take a few moments on this episode and talk about fundraising, what that can look like, maybe toss around some few fun ideas to get people inspired and, um, what that means to fundraise an adoption. Yeah, let's do it. So let's... I want to start with you because you actually were very creative in your fundraising. Um, I didn't know you at that point, but you've told me all about the different ways that you did. And I want to I want to talk through that. So first of all, did you when, when you guys were in the process, 
through your agency, did they give you any suggestions? Did they give you any like links to grants, anything that you felt like you had support um, for that fundraising journey? Or was it kind of you and Tim having to be creative on your own? Yes, I feel like this was eight years ago. So my memory is a little murky. But it wasn't anything online. Like they didn't get many links or anything. Everything came in like a folder. So I think there were just some papers that was like, hey, you could go here to apply for a grant or here are some websites you could look into. I don't feel like that was very helpful. Um, We never, personally, we never applied for many or any grants. Um, I know a lot of people do that and they get, they're successful with it. I know that our friend Kaylee, who was on the podcast very early on, she talked about the waiting and adoption. Through their adoption, they applied for a couple of grants and I think that they got everything that they applied for, which was great. So those options are definitely out there. I don't remember them being easily accessible. Like you have to go search them out. Yeah, it feels kind of daunting. If I look back too to that when when we were presented with all of those different grants, it reminded it like took me back to high school when you applied for all those little scholarships. You know what I mean? Like fifteen hundred dollar scholarship, a two thousand dollar scholarship. And so it felt like a lot of work. And yes, $2,000 is helpful. So I'm not like belittling that, but it was a bit overwhelming. You're like, okay, which one is is worth my time and energy? Which one am I likely going to get? Should I dive into this? It, it, it's kind of daunting and it does take time and it's overwhelming. So however, so grateful that those options are out there because it certainly does help families. Um, but I do, I, I know what you're saying when you like, you get all that and you're like, gosh, I don't even know where to start. So it doesn't really feel super helpful. Yeah. Yes. And like I said, nothing was really digital back then. We were still filling out all of our paperwork, you know, by hand and mailing it in, um, getting things notarized, you know, in person. So, yeah, there was no online source for help back then that I was offered. um, But I know that that is changing now. So, yeah, a lot of our fundraising was done through crowdfunding, which just means we did it ourselves from our friends and family and network of people that we know online. Um, we did not do a GoFundMe. We actually used a site called YouCaring. And I know there are a lot of different sites that you can do that will help you to fundraise money. Um, so we used a site called YouCaring. I can't exactly remember why we did that. I think back in... In the moment, I felt like GoFundMe was used for a lot of reasons that we weren't using it for. Like it was like musicians or people like doing Kickstarters to fund projects they were doing. But it felt like I was going to get lost in the GoFundMe pages. Mm-hmm. Does that make oh, sense? Oh, yeah, it makes sense. You're kind of so, like we're just another another one out there that honestly, then it kind of becomes fatigue. People just scroll by it, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. So we used a site called You Caring, and it was great because we had our goal on there. Our goal was to fundraise twenty five thousand dollars. So the average cost of adoption in the U.S. is between thirty and sixty thousand dollars. So Smart. ours was on like the lower end. A lot of people are like, "Why is it so expensive?" Mm-hmm. But the process to legally adopt a baby just requires the involvement of so many different people, like attorneys, social workers, physicians. Um, government administrators, adoption specialists, counselors, all these mm-hmm. kind of things. And then the agency that we went through, they offer um, full birth mom support. So any woman that comes to them, 
that wants to make an adoption plan, they really support them on the front end with like prenatal care. And then afterwards they have the option for like lifetime counseling. You know, they could come back in two years or 20 years and they will offer them um, counseling and things like that. And so a lot of the cost there went into that. So the way our agency worked, like we didn't pay for our specific like birth mom's cost. It was almost like it all just went into a bucket that funded that program, I believe. Um, Or that's how it was kind of presented to us. And I don't know if things have changed since then. But, you know, so you have all of these miscellaneous costs. And then I remember we also incurred more costs at the end because um, birth dad wouldn't sign papers. So you have to go through another roundabout like way and that's like another five thousand dollars so it's like all these different variables also our son is native american so we had to file with his tribes which was an additional cost like all of these little things that they actually do cost money yeah so it adds up i think some people just initially when they hear that big price tag they're like well it's a crock Mm -hmm. you know and some of them i'm not gonna lie we know that there's unethical agencies out there but for the most part I don't think this is an in this, you know, that every agency is in the business of just sucking money out of adopted. No, families. I mean, and you think all of, I mean, through our process, all of the people that I talked to, all the people that helped me through, I mean, this is their job. This is how they make a living. So, I mean, it does, it does cost. It costs for people to work yes. and all of that. So, yeah, I agree. It does. I remember when I was telling family, family about the process and the cost and everything, they're like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely absurd. That's ridiculous. It shouldn't cost that much. And, you know, like, I don't want to pay that much, but it's just the way that it is. Yeah. So circle back. That mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, but they they can cost upwards mm-hmm. of sixty. I've seen, um, which is which seems pretty crazy. But a, a lot of that depends on when you match, from my understanding. So like the earlier you match, the higher the cost because it's just a lot more time that you're with the agency and supporting birth family if that's the way the agency set up. So there's those costs can can be greater, mm-hmm. from my understanding. Um, yeah, and I believe you can correct me if you're wrong because we went through a single agency, you went through a consultant agency. So I feel like it is a little bit higher going through a consultant mm-hmm. agency, but that's because you're getting the benefit of working with multiple agencies, which means you could get matched quicker. Right. Um, but that does like incur a higher cost. Correct. So like we had so. to pay the the fee to join. We went through Christian Adoption Consultants, and so we had to pay that fee to join. So I don't know what mm-hmm. it is now. I think ours was like four thousand when we joined when we did that and then every agency that you applied to through that was an application fee of anywhere from like 200 to 600 dollars. so that's just the application fee to join mm-hmm. the agency and then every one of those agencies had different fees so it was it right. was a little bit a little bit more um but but yeah i mean there's there's different journeys and different paths to it but let's go back to like your so you guys did the crowdfund mm-hmm. but i do also yeah. know that you were super creative mm-hmm. so tell us about that you created these cute little grow grow charts. Yes. So I really, I mean, my husband was working full-time at a church, you know, nothing against people that work at a church, but you know, you're never, <laughs> you're making ends meet when you, <laughs> when you work for a church. Oh yeah. We're in the, so we're in also, the same boat. <laughs> yeah. He also had, um, little side jobs he would do instructing drum lines at a high school and playing himself like, um, drumming gigs. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to fully fund this. Like I had like just when we got started and his main, you know, worry was the funding. I was like, no, no, I'm going to do this. And now that you've all 
known me through funding love, you probably can realize that I'm a person that when I set my mind to something, I'm just like going to go full force and not give up. Yep. I'm going to get it done. So um, we set up the you caring site, which people could just kind of give directly to online. But I knew that wasn't enough. Like it's never compelling to just share a link and say, hey, can you give? Can you give? So I really wanted to do hands-on, active things as well. So I'm a pretty crafty, creative person. So I ended up making these growth charts that are basically just like seven foot, six foot, seven foot long planks of wood that I would stain, all different colored stains. And then I would turn them into like basically this oversized ruler that you could hang on your wall and measure your kids. Because when I was growing up, my mom used to do it on like the wall at home. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved out of that house, it's like, oh no, it's all on the drywall, you know? We can't take that with us. And so I personally wanted a growth chart to have my kids so that you could take those memories with you from house to house as you move. And I was like, I could sell these. Like, and I really played off the like, we're growing again. I did this whole we're growing again campaign where we're growing our family. Kids grow, selling a growth chart. So it was really cute. cute. All so went cute. together. That's so and you, by so, the way. <laughs> yeah, so I would, <laughs> isn't it? So I would make these growth charts. Each one probably took me a couple hours to finish, you know, start to finish. You have to kind of do the different steps between waiting for the stain to dry, marking it up, putting the hanger on the back, all that kind of stuff. And then I would sell them for about 45, 50 bucks, depending on if they wanted it personalized. I made over a hundred of those. I think it was somewhere around 120. Wow. And I still get requests to make them. Like I'm going to be making two um, this week because I have people that still want me to make them for, obviously I don't charge them $50 for it anymore, but that was like an uptick in what I paid for it. I think I made 30 bucks off of every chart. Um, but you know, 30 bucks adds up and I even made a, a ton of them. Once I just like stocked up, I made, I don't know, 20 or 30. And we had a local holiday, like Labor Day or something where, you know, you go to the town square and everybody's got their little booths set up and there was like a right. little parade that went by or whatever. And so I set up a booth for our adoption. We paid like the price. I don't, it wasn't expensive. It was like 20 bucks or something to set up your booth to sell your products. And I sold a ton of growth charts that day. And then I had just like a bucket out too that was like, hey, if you don't want to spend the $50 on a growth chart, will you throw a couple bucks in for our adoption? We, um, so that was a really fun way to do that. That is so creative. How fun is that? Tell our story. Yeah. In addition, I would do artwork. I would just paint canvases, do like commissions. Like if someone wanted a quote on a canvas written really pretty, I sold a fair amount of those. I also hit up all of my friends that were in MLMs. And this I feel like is a really great and creative way to like support your friends while also fundraising. Um, Of course, we have really sweet and generous friends. So I got this idea from a friend that offered it to us on the front end. But um, anybody that had their own small business like that, I was like, hey, do you want to throw a party? Because, you know, I think parties are now mostly online. But back then you would have like your LuLaRoe party in person or your Stella and Dot. Right. Your um, premier jewelry, all all of those. Yeah, correct. And so we hosted a few of those parties and they were super generous to either donate all or a portion of what they made from my party back to my adoption. So like their commissions, they would donate like a percentage or some would donate like their whole commission for that one party to me. So they felt like they were able to give back to adoption while also potentially creating new client Client. relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so we did a few of those. We also had a photographer friend that um, was in our small group at the time. She offered to host mini sessions. You know how photographers will do mini sessions mm-hmm. and so you can sign up. So she had one day that she filled up with like four or five mini session slots and just donated her time as a photographer and everything that she made off those mini sessions she gave to our oh adoption. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was really fun to be able to partner with friends and people in our community that wanted to give back to mm-hmm. in their little ways. Yeah. Yeah. So that for that photographer, she was just giving her time essentially. She just gave it. And then that is that's that's really generous and cool, though, like how people really rallied around you um, to mm-hmm. make this happen. So like you raised it all twenty five thousand. Yes, we did. And I will say for anybody that is out there fundraising or they're starting the adoption process and they're feeling very overwhelmed by it, um, I relate. We were there. But I also want to say, I remember when we started fundraising, I was like, oh, we know this person, this person, and this person in our life that are pretty wealthy. They're really kind. They love us. They're going to give a good bit. I know we can at least count on them. Can I tell you that I don't think any of them gave, or if they did, they like came to one of those parties and bought something like they didn't. Our biggest funds came from the most unexpected places. And so for me, it was just the Lord telling me, like, I don't ever use the expected, right? I mean, if you're reading your Bible, he's always using the underdog Mm -hmm. to do the biggest works, right? And so just time and time again, as we were doing our fundraising process, it was the unexpected places where we got the most funds. We were um, friends with a couple at church and had gotten to know them. We loved them. They took us out to dinner one night. And at dinner, they said, oh, well, my uncle kind of passed away and he um, left me a huge inheritance. And so we both went separately and said, let's pray about where we want to give them money. Um, like tithing off of their inheritance that they got. And both of them came back together and said, we want to give to the Elrod <gasps> adoption. So we oh. were just sitting at an Italian restaurant and they slid an $11,000 check across Girl, the table to us. I didn't know this story. Yes. And so it was just like, I cried. They cried. Like It was like God showing up in places that you had no idea. This wasn't even like, they weren't wealthy friends. They just happened at that time to to receive this money that they felt compelled to tithe off of, Mm. give the 10% to us. And it was like time and time again, things like that. Like, oh my gosh, did you see overnight this person gave $2,500? Who would have ever known? Or at the very end, I do want to tell this story too. At the very end, I was a a blogger at the time. So I was blogging and we had gotten so close with all my fundraising. I mean, anybody that knew me online in those days knew I was hustling. And I would post about it a few times a week. I would write blogs like once a week or once every couple of weeks to give updates about what we're doing in life and how it's going. And so I did this update blog where I was like, we're only $2,400 away from reaching our goal of being able to fully fund our adoption. And this was while we were still waiting to be a waiting family. Like we were waiting for our, we had finished our home study, but you have that like waiting period of them like going through all of the paperwork before you are officially a waiting family. So we had nothing to do but sit there and fundraise. (laughs) And I wrote that blog saying we're only $2,400 away. And then like the next day, Tim gets a call from 
or a call or a text, I don't remember, from someone that he worked with at the church that said, hey, my sister who works at a different church in North Atlanta wanted to connect you to a different couple. They just want to talk to you about your adoption. And so we're like, okay. And at that point, we had had a lot of people asking us about fundraising because they saw what we were doing. Like, oh, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? Um, and so I thought it was going to be a conversation like that, like another mm-hmm. adoption. We want Like informative adopt- kind of <laughs> meeting. Yeah. Right. So we get on this phone call with them and we're like on speakerphone. It's a husband and wife and um, me and Tim sitting there, the four of us on a phone call like, hi, nice to meet you. Don't know you. We heard about you through this person's sister that we don't also know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they were like, yeah, we reached out because um, we saw your blog and we have been keeping up with your fundraising journey. And when we saw that you were so close, like God just told us that you're done. That's what they said. They said, God told us you're done. You're done fundraising. Send us whatever that final amount is because we're writing you a check. Like I'm going to cry right now. Unreal. Like, yeah, just talking to strangers on a phone and them telling you, no, we want to pay off your adoption. So you're Mm. done fundraising. Were you just like... And who are you? Like, are you like an angel? Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's so crazy. Truly. And I mean, and it felt really weird to email another, you know, a person you don't know, give them your final amount, receive a check in the mail like a week or two later and be like, oh my gosh, they followed through. Yeah. So it it did come full circle because a couple of years later, I was at a mom's conference in North Atlanta because we were in the same network Mm -hmm. of churches, like the North Point churches. And uh, I met her. I ran into her. She was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I think her name was Trisha. I'm Trisha. I'm the one. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I got to hug her and thank her and give her an update on Mason. And oh my gosh. Yeah. But just for the people that are fundraising, like Mm -hmm. hustle, do everything that you can possibly do, but know that God is going to do the things that you can't do. Mm -hmm. Like he can make the impossible Mm -hmm. possible. And so keep open-minded. Another thing to talk about is you can walk this like line of being annoying and being inspiring. Yes. And so I really like my advice too is like to toe that. Like don't In your be face. Mm-hmm. really naggy. Um, don't, I would say when you're fundraising, really watch the tone in which you're communicating. I think that when you're fundraising, you can communicate with a tone of gratitude or a tone of neediness. Mm-hmm. Like a desperation. And at the end of the day... Yeah, at the end of the day, people are always going to attach to the tone of gratitude over that tone of like desperation and like, I just need you to give me money because we need this money because a a kid needs to come home. It's just not, you have to really watch your tone too because you don't want to communicate in that way. I just think also the stories that you're telling me just is, to me, each step of the way is just like the Lord saying you, I don't know, kind of, basically what I'm trying to say is if you feel this calling on your heart, and this is what like you feel like the Lord is leading you to and you're and you are pressing into that and constantly seeking him and you are walking in his will, he's going to take care of it. And I mean, and so Absolutely. even when you guys were like twenty four hundred, you were you were like praising and saying, Thank the Lord, we're only twenty four hundred away and 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 not saying exactly we're twenty four hundred away. You're like, Oh my gosh, can you believe mm-hmm. we are so close? So so grateful. So that is a it, it is a good mindset and a good shift of your heart to to be sure you sit in that place yeah just like to drop a few more ideas out there things that we didn't do that i feel like i've seen people do really yes. well let's talk about um, it. is you know a basic yard sale selling items and you can even have your friends and family donate items that they don't want and you can sell items either online like in a facebook you know mm-hmm. marketplace type page 
um, or you can have your own local yard sale. I've seen that be very effective. I love the puzzle idea. I know that it's been done a lot, but I also think that it's really cute and sweet. Tell me about a, this. A piece of I, so is that, have I seen this? Um, I'm, I would assume you have. It's been pretty popular, but I think it's still great. So you buy like a puzzle. You can pick like a 50 piece or 100 piece, and you have people buy pieces of your puzzle so they can, you know, you'd set it up online through like a fun, like a GoFundMe or you're you caring, but like if they give $10, they get to buy that puzzle piece and you'll write their name on the back of that puzzle piece and you put the puzzle together and then you can like glue it together and hang it in your child's room of all the people that came together to make the adoption possible. I have never seen that. That really? Is, no, I haven't. That is okay. that is a super cute idea, and it's I think really adorable. And also, it's super approachable. It's approachable if someone's like, "Um, I'm gonna buy four pieces for fifty bucks or whatever it is." Correct. And yeah. it it seems like you're a part of the story. You're watching it all come together. I do love that. Yeah, exactly. Such a great idea. Or people will have like a piece of art or something that they will write mm-hmm. the names of the people that have given a certain amount on so there's so many ways get creative Mm -hmm. um find things that kind of reflect your personality and your family or maybe reflect where you're adopting from if you're adopting internationally Mm -hmm. um or you know get creative yeah there's there's so many ways and um yeah those are all of the fun creative ways i think that can bring some like joy into it um but also don't forget about those grants that are out there Mm-hmm. Because there are there are grants. It is a journey, and I, I it, it is like a daunting thing, especially when a family's like, I just feel so badly I, that I'm called to this, but fifty thousand dollars. Like, don't get discouraged because your community will rally. Like we're saying, if this is your calling, your community will rally. It'll be taken care of. So yeah, don't don't get discouraged. So I love that. Great advice. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to say too, going back to funding love. We have really big dreams. We were able to raise $100,000 from our gala, and Mm. we hope in the future that continues to grow. I mean, girl, I see us raising a million dollars at our gala one day. Or $2 million at our gala one day. And although Disney is expensive, you can absolutely spend a million dollars at Disney. Um, We don't (laughs) see always funneling those those donor dollars into Walt Disney World Vacations. Mm-hmm. We have so many other dreams. And one of those other dreams is to have a foundation, a Funding Love Foundation, where we can be one of those people, maybe that people apply for grants from, or families that have were not as successful with fundraising, and they're in that post-placement state of trying to pay off loans. Like yep. Funding Love can rally around them post-placement to help pay off some of those adoption loans. So we've got really big dreams for Funding Love, and mm-hmm. we want you to continue to partner with us because we are just going to continue forever to support birth moms and adoptive families and adoptees post-placement. That's it. We're here. We're not going anywhere like we like to say. We're here to stay. Hey, well, this was a fun episode to kind of go back in time and talk about it all. Um, I, I always love having these conversations with just just you and I. It's kind of fun to do that every once in a while. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the Funding Love Podcast, and we'll see you all next week. Hi, my name is Christina Riccio, and I support Funding Love by donating to their fundraisers. My favorite thing about Funding Love is, well, everything, for starters, but I would say that my favorite thing is that they are leaning so hard into a severely neglected community and they are doing an amazing job at it. 
I help to create post-adoption experiences that strengthen bonds, build community, and restore people. I am Funding Love. 